Amen. Thank you, Wynn. Hello. It's all coming together. Get in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. I appreciate the song, Alinda. Appreciate the song, Winter. And uh, I feel bad for Christian people who uh, attend churches where they teach them that you can lose your salvation. And uh, that may preach really well because you can scare people into uh, living right. Say, well, you love like that. God's going to take your salvation away. That preaches good, but that's false. I am so glad that 34 years ago when I called upon Christ that my salvation has been kept secure by Him. And I'm so thankful I am in His hand. Man. We are on Sunday nights working through a series on rightful authority. I know nobody's been excited about it, but uh, I believe it's one of the most helpful uh, thoughts that we can actually teach our children and have implemented in our life. Uh, Authority is one of the areas where our culture is a mess. Our culture does not understand authority. It does not understand using it. It does not understand following it. And our nature fights against it. Uh, Christian people don't understand it. But it is one of the most important things to uh, living a life that is blessed by God. I hope you understand that being saved and living a life that is blessed are two different things. Uh, People live forever. They get saved by putting their faith in Jesus. People live live blessed lives by living the way God taught us to live. Listen, a husband who loves his wife without Christ in that home is going to have a blessed marriage because that is the way God designed a marriage. And I think I echo the heart's desire of everybody here tonight that we not only want to have faith in Jesus so we can live forever, but we also want to learn and apply what God taught us about life so that we can live well here and now too. Amen? And so we've been spending our time on this issue of rightful authority. We laid the foundation since God is our creator. He makes the rules. He decides what's right and wrong. But because no one can visibly see God or audibly hear God today, God delegated some of his authority to a book that we can see and we can hear. And then in that book, God delegated some authority to husbands over their own wives, parents over their own children, pastors over the flock that they lead. And then He taught us how to use that authority and how to follow that authority. And we spent time talking about the heart of a faithful follower being to be a joy to lead rather than a grief. We talked about the heart of a faithful leader being uh, to desire to help and build those who uh, look to them. And something just flew in my mouth. What is it up here? You know, my old pastor, one of the things he hated most was bugs in the church. I'm not exaggerating. We would be sitting in our office. He'd say, get in here. There's a fly in here. And we'd all get out of our office and we'd all chase that fly down until it was dead. Then we'd be able to go back to work. And I'm starting to understand why. That's twice today. Man, yummy. Protein. And so we've spent a lot of time talking about these things uh, in in biblical terms. And and what I want to do now, I want to spend the next three weeks kind of sort of sitting across the table from you and just kind of practically applying these things in these three key areas 
uh, of our life. Uh, uh, a night and practical thoughts and a husband-wife relationship and uh, a night on practical thoughts between a, a parent and child relationship and a, a night on practical thoughts on a pastor and member relationship. And uh, I realize uh, that pretty much this whole series is countercultural. And I realize that nearly every one of these thoughts is contrary to our fallen nature. I, I get that. In fact, I even get that tonight I'm going to be teaching on marriage, and we have a lot of single people here. And all I would say to you is that if you're single, why don't you just log these things in your mind and seek to build these qualities in your mind uh, for someday, and if not for you, because somewhere along the way, you're going to come across a path of somebody who's married and they're talking to you about their marriage and, and this will be able to help you help them. And tonight, as in all of these weeks, I don't come to you as some big expert. I am not an expert on marriage. Uh, I thank God for the marriage I have. And uh, it's a good marriage. My wife is here. My children are here. My daughters-in-laws are here. They know how I live. They know, they know my home. They know I'm not perfect. They know our marriage is not perfect. But, but I can tell you this, I have a happy home. I, I, I do. I have a happy marriage. Uh, she just um, always tells me what to do. I do it. It works out great. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not very trainable, to be honest with you. And uh, when, if something happens to me, I rather doubt she would remarry. It's taken her 34 years to get this far. I don't think she wants to start the process again. It's been tough. But I want to encourage you tonight to listen with an open heart. Because there's only one person that you can change in this world. And that's never your spouse. And I can guarantee you is that if you focus on the one person in this world, you can change it will help everything. And so stand, if you would, in honor of uh, God's Word. Uh, my lesson is just called Husbands and Wives, and I spent a lot of time on that. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, some of people's favorite verses in the Bible. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Thank you. You might be seated. I know a lot of ladies bristle up when... Anyone turns to Ephesians chapter 5 and begins to read, and there really is no good reason for that. In fact, the roles of husbands and wives in the home are difficult for both people when we rightly understand them. In fact, it ought to actually be the husband who is most concerned when he reads about his role because the unconditional love that a husband is supposed to have for his wife is supposed to picture the perfect love that the Lord Jesus has for the imperfect church. And that is a much more difficult role than the wife's role that pictures an imperfect church Submitting to a perfect Savior. Now, no matter what, in the home, 
From time to time, both husbands and wives, you're simply going to have to do what you do because of your faith in God. There are going to come times when you're only going to fill your role, not because you feel like it, not because your spouse deserves it, but simply because you have faith in God that if you fulfill your role, it will make your home and your life better. So much of what God has taught both husbands and wives has been distorted by feminists, twisted by chauvinists, and ignored by God's people for centuries. In fact, it's sad to me that this section of Scripture is demeaned and ignored because I believe it hurts our homes today and it hurts our homes in the next generation. Unfortunately, moms sometimes inadvertently teach their sons and daughters by the example in submitting to her husband that this whole doctrine is archaic and it's demeaning to them instead of teaching them by example that it is simply one equal submitting to another equal to fulfill a role God designed for them. And also, unfortunately, dads sometimes inadvertently or overtly, or overtly teach their sons and daughters by the example that loving their own wife can be ignored if your wife doesn't do what you want or respond the way you think she, you think she should. Instead of unconditionally, for Christ's sake, loving her. It's interesting, and this is going to be the foundation of our message here, uh, some of the words God uses to describe the husband-wife relationship. Notice the first one in verse 22, for the wife, submit. Notice in verse 33 the word, nevertheless, every one of you in particular, so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Those are powerful words. Submit. Reverence. The word that describes a husband's relationship repeated several times in this section of the Scripture in verse 25, husbands love your wives. And that is not simply the friendship kind of a love, a phileo kind of a love. That is the deep abiding love that God has. And that's a powerful word. And you've heard me say before, and I say again, if you are a single woman here, you ought to never marry any man that you're not willing to submit and follow his leadership. And I say to every single man here, you ought never to marry some woman if you are not willing to decide that though you know her faults and her flaws and her humanity, that you are going to set out to unconditionally love that woman as she is. Now we've spent time talking about these things. Go up in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. If people were more familiar with the Bible, they would bristle when I said 1 Peter chapter 3. But people are not as familiar with Peter teaching on marriage as they are with Paul teaching on marriage. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, and again, we're going to pick out some key words in these relationships, or key phrases, and then talk about that together. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. By the way, it's not our message tonight, but if you have an unsaved husband, this is how you win them. I didn't write the plan. That's what he said. Verse 2, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, 
Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of hair and wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Uh, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection under their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now notice some of the words and phrases in this section of the Scripture that God uses describing the husband-wife relationship. Did you see in verse 1, he tells wives to be in subjection to your own husband. Did you notice that he says that you are supposed to influence them with your chaste conversation in verse 2? And conversation is not just simply our words over time, it is behavior. And chaste is pure and clean and, and holy. Uh, notice the third phrase that applies to wives in the husband-wife relationship in verse 4, the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. By the way, I would say that that is probably more difficult, or if not equally difficult, to be in subjection to. A meek and quiet spirit, an attitude that reflects humility. It's the opposite of loud, always talking. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. Those are phrases for the wife. Notice the phrases that apply to the husband here in, in verse 7. He says, dwell with them according to knowledge. Invest time and effort in that relationship. Try to understand them as much as possible. By the way, that's very different from running off with your guy friends more often than you seek to be with your wife. Dwell with them, according to knowledge. Did you notice also, in verse 7, the other phrase that applies to husbands, he says, honor as unto the weaker vessel. Not weaker spiritually, more vulnerable emotionally. More easily damaged. Listen, things that guys say to each other would just tear girls apart. And we don't think a thing about it. And he says in a husband-wife relationship, you, you need to guard your wife's spirit, and you need to guard your wife's heart, and you need to honor her because she can't take everything you can take. we spent some time talking about these things. It's obvious that God uses some very strong terms and phrases to describe both the role of a husband and a wife in that relationship. And that relationship is so important to God that it is that relationship that He picked to picture the relationship that the dear Lord Jesus has with His beloved church, His bride. And the husband-wife relationship is a picture of that. Let me ask you, if you are married and you're a lady, do the words submit and reverence and chaste conversation and meek and quiet spirit characterize at all 
the way you try to behave and conduct yourself in your home and in your marriage relationship. If you're here and you are a husband, do the words love and dwell with according to knowledge and honor as under the weaker vessel. Do they characterize you as a husband? I didn't make these words up. They weren't made up by a government. They were not made up by a hopelessly romantic lady. These, In both of these cases, these are strong words and strong phrases that our Creator used to define and picture this relationship with a husband and a wife. And as I've said before, the awesome thing about a husband-wife relationship is though we may not like the way God describes that to be carried out, you and I have 100% say over who we enter into that relationship with. We didn't pick our parents. We didn't pick our siblings. We didn't pick our children. And in a lot of cases, we don't even get to pick the people we go to church with. We picked some of them. We didn't pick all of them. And yet God teaches us how to interact with those people. But in this particular case, uh, God says, you know what, this is how I want you to interact. And you pick that person. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to just talk together, kind of have a little bit of a conversation about ways to apply these words and build these godly qualities in, in our home. And if you're here and you're single, to begin to build these qualities and these roles in your life. Because it will help you down the road some way or another. Practical ways to apply these. Number one. Make full use of all the instruction, support, and people God has provided to encourage you and help you do these things. You can't read these words and not walk away and say, you know what, that's hard. God understands that. And one of the things that He did when He designed the local church and told His people to assemble together and not forsake assembling together, and when He gifted pastors and teachers in His local church, one of the things He did when He did that was He said, you know what, my people are going to struggle to fulfill these roles, and so I'm going to put them in a place and keep putting them in a position where I constantly help them and teach them to model and follow these things. Have you ever really thought about this? One of the best kinds of family time is to come to a biblical church. What we do here builds and helps and shapes and fuels not only godliness in our lives, but it builds and helps and shapes our home. If you come to a biblical church and you make it a regular practice in your life and you come and you listen with your heart, I 100% guarantee you that it will make your marriage better, it will make your home better. God designed it to be that way. God has people that He has called and gifted in His church to encourage your faith and help you with your role in your marriage. Pastors. Deacons. Teachers, people with no title but just spiritually minded people who love God and and love you and, and touch lives with you who are there from God to help you in all of these areas of your life if you let Him. 
Unfortunately, so many people choose not to be committed to a church, and some who are committed choose not to really engage themselves in these relationships, and they end up missing all that God wants to give them. In fact, it saddens me when I think that one of the characteristics of the American church in our day is the people of God assemble less and less. And I want to tell you, if Jesus tarries, the health of American Christian people spiritually is going to get worse and worse and worse because they do not get what God intended to give them in this church. Here's number two. Don't take your spouse for granted. Continue to make effort with each other like you did when you were dating. I've been trying to get married couples to schedule a date together each week for decades. I don't do that because I have stock in the movie theater or uh, in Long John Silver's or uh, any of the kind of places that uh, healthy eaters frequent. Darren, sometime you and I have to go to Long John Silver's because I know you're not allowed normally. And them hush puppies, you squeeze them and then bite them. I'm not implying that you need to spend a lot of money you know, on this each week. But I am telling you, you need to make time for each other. If you are too busy to spend uh, some time with your wife like this each week, you are not using your time well. You need to make time for this. You say, oh, I've got so much going on. The church is so busy and work is so busy. And, and, and Listen, if you would get off Facebook and get off Pinterest and get off a lot of other things that are sucking the time out of your schedule, you'd have plenty of time. I'll just say amen right there. Regular dates and family vacations should be a part of your budget and your calendar. There are a lot of free things to do. Uh, I'm amazed at the money people spend on vacation. Honestly, uh, I mean, I'm glad that you're able to, but I'm going to tell you what, we never had that. I mean, our vacation, the exciting part of vacation was not what we did when we got there. It was just getting there, and then we were there. This is vacation. I mean, mean, we didn't go parasailing. We were at the beach. I mean, we didn't rent whatever them ski-doo things. We were at the beach. Who had money for that kind of stuff? The exciting part was just digging in the sand. Hey, let's buy some plastic shovels. I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's kind of look. Listen, there is great value in just being together. And when you don't make time for each other, you don't help your marriage. You don't help yourself submit and reverence and have chaste conversation and a meek and quiet spirit and love and dwell with and honor. You just don't help yourself. And the easiest thing to do after you've been married for a few years is to stop making the emotional and physical and scheduling effort that you need to make. And that is a bad thing. There is a kind of deep abiding love that gets built between a husband and a wife just simply doing stuff together. Listen, long before there's ever cheating in any marriage, there is a carelessness and a lack of effort with each person that occurs. Please don't be one of these people who never do much of anything until there's a problem. Make the effort while there are no problems 
and you'll have far less problems. Number three, when you disagree, and you will, make sure you fight fairly. Listen, disagreements are inevitable. And I have people say to me all, all the time, well, we never disagree over anything big. Listen, who disagrees over big things? I mean, how often do people fight about adultery? Listen, it happens, but that happens long, long, long after you had a lot of disagreements over small things that you didn't handle well. You're two different people, and these disagreements are inevitable. You say, Brother Wally, how can I fight fair? How about this? Don't say things you don't mean. Your anger in the heat of the moment uh, is no reason for you to say whatever is on your mind. How about this? Do everything you can to use a normal tone of voice. Yelling never helped anybody understand better. The problem was never the volume. Now, it's, I can't hear. I mean, you know what phrase my wife tells me more than anything? It's not, I love you, babe. It's, can you turn that down? <laughs> and then my thing that I say to her most, it's the commercial. They always turn the volume up in the commercial. How do you fight fair? Number three, don't stay angry with each other overnight. Uh, if it's worth it, stay up and get it settled. If it's not worth it, and most of the time it's not, just say, you know what, let's just let it go. I love you. Go sleep. I, I, listen, there's a reason God said be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I, I don't understand people that let yourself remain angry for hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks. That's as ungodly as a devil. Amen. So I can't, yes, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, how do I fight fair? Don't compare your spouse to someone else. Well, you know, my mom, oh, wow. <laughs> I wish you were more like, don't do that. That's not fighting fair. How about this? Uh, don't keep dredging up the past once it's been settled. I, I get that everything has a context, maybe a day or a week. And nothing has a 10-year context. Do you remember what you, let it go. Mercy, forgiveness. How about this? Don't continue not speaking for more than a couple of hours at most. And better if not even a whole hour. I get that one of the best things you ever do when you disagree is just say, you know what? This is escalating. I need to walk away. Please let me walk away. And then you let them walk away. I've dealt with people on multiple occasions and they just chase them around the house. Dum, 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 dum. And you walk away, and if you have any spiritual sense, you begin to think to yourself, okay, Lord. Uh, and in my house, I would have been the one who would tend to get angry. I, my wife is a gentle soul. I'm not saying she don't get mad. She will flare up on you. But I, if anybody would have been mad faster, it would have been me. And there was a lot of times I needed to walk away and I would begin to think, okay, Lord, what do you want me to think here? What do you want me to say here? Lord, what do you not want me to say? 
What do you want to happen? And you would be amazed at just a few minutes of talking to the Lord about this, how it will help when you disagree. See, far too many marriages have been destroyed and damaged by careless words and careless behavior when we disagree. And by the way, when you disagree, God established a pecking order. We've been talking about it. The Bible, the husband, the wife. You say, well, I don't like that pecking order. Well, you could take that up with God. It's not really as complicated as we make it. It's just that we selfishly and pridefully demand what we want. Number four, don't expect your spouse to be another one of you. Number five, if your husband is not the man you hoped he'd be, which is nearly always the case, try to build him into a better man instead of tearing him down. I wish I could get through to every wife that when you tear your husband down, you are not lifting yourself up. It is so easy to do. And men are wimps. We're sensitive. And especially a young man just can't take it. He just can't take it. Number six, if your wife is not the woman you hoped she'd be, try to love her into being a better woman instead of tearing her down. Listen, brother, you don't lift yourself up when you tear her down. You take yourself and your children down if she goes down. Number seven, don't expect perfection from your spouse. Shocker, you don't, fu- you don't fulfill your role perfectly. I-, I wish every man was as grieved over his own lack of love as he is grieved over his wife's lack of submission. Number eight, seek to meet the emotional and physical needs of your spouse. And this might be a little brass for for some people, but to me, uh, it's a shame that women dress immodestly to go to the workplace and then wear flannel pajamas at home. Amen. By the way, it's just as shocking to me that men can have an open, honest, emotional conversation with the lady at work and not with his wife. Listen, those are both backwards. And and when we do things backwards, we cannot expect, when the recipe is wrong, we don't get the right product in the end. The product in the end is a stable, secure, loving home where the husband and wife and children come home and and they don't hear mom and dad threatening the divorce and they don't wonder if their mom and dad are going to be together and they they don't wonder if their dad loves their mom and they don't wonder if their mom loves their dad. They, They come home and they feel stable and secure. That is the goal. That is God's intention and that is our heart's desire and we will never get that product with our recipe some of the best marital advice you'll ever simply get is never give your spouse a reason to go anywhere else to have any of their needs met by the way if your spouse is failing that's no excuse to go somewhere else I'm just saying Don't give them a reason to do that. Number nine. I'm going to go real long tonight, too. 
Remember some basic key things when you face the complexity and difficulty of life together. Listen, marriage is wonderful, but it is not easy. Life is wonderful, but it's not easy. It is complex at times. It is tough at times. It is just worth it. Remember, your wife is not your mom to baby you or your young child to be bossed around and controlled. I don't understand you men that do that to your wife. Uh, my wife will tell you, even when we were first married, I wanted my wife to be strong, to go places, to have other relationships, to do things. I, I don't even, it, I can't even relate. Please stop that. Remember, at one time you chose each other and loved one another. And by the way, if you get to the place in your life where you say, you know what, I don't love her or I don't love him anymore, I want to just remind you that if you're saved, the God who is loved lives in you and you can love again by yielding to that God. So why well, never love them? Well, you yield to the God who is loved and you can love them. Remember, you promised God and those who witnessed your vows on your wedding day to stay together for life. Do everything you can to keep them. And, and please, if you're already at the place where you know, you're past that point, I'm not here picking on you, I'm, I'm talking to people who've not yet had that happen. Uh, how about this one? Remember the hardest people to get along with are those you spend the most time with. Do you know why everyone else in a different marriage seems so appealing to you? I wish my husband was more like... I wish my wife was more like... Listen, if you were actually around them more, you wouldn't. Listen, it's easy to get along with somebody else's wife because you're not trying to join lives. You're not disagreeing over how to handle the children. You're not disagreeing over how to handle the money. Listen, I am one of the easiest people for you to have a relationship with because you're hardly around me. Uh, you know who I'm hard to have a relationship? Her. She's stuck with me all the time. You don't face the demands I make in life. You don't face my faults and flaws like you do, uh, like she does. Listen, the hardest people uh, to get along with are those who we're with most. And, and if we lose sight of that, listen, the grass in your neighbor's yard is not as green as you think it is from your porch. When you get in his yard, you're going to find that that grass has a bunch of brown spots too. They're just not in the same place as your yard. You got a good one now, invest in them. Remember, you can rise above all you've seen and heard when you were growing up. Most people don't get to grow up in a home with a mom and a dad who love Jesus supremely and love each other. Some people do, but most people don't. And I just want to encourage you tonight, if you did not grow up in that kind of a home, don't you, uh, oh my, woe is me, I can never. Yes, you can. Learn what you need to do and do it by the grace of God. Remember, the biggest enemies of husbands and wives fulfilling these roles is pride, selfishness, and a failure to trust God. 
And so one of the most important things any of us does as an individual is do everything we can to fight our own pride, fight our own selfishness, and learn to build our faith. And by the way, that's what you're doing when you're here tonight. And I commend you for it. I know when marriages get to the place where they're not what they ought to be, there's usually plenty of blame to go around for both husband and wives. But I hope tonight you're not someone who would sit there and just say, well, that's the way I am. That's the way I was raised. Listen, by the grace of God, with Christ in our life, every individual here, every individual here can be a godly wife if you're a wife and a godly husband if you're a husband. I say to every married woman here, the most important relationship in your life outside of God is your husband. Not your kids, your husband. I say to every married man in here outside of your relationship with God, the most important relationship in your life is your wife. Not your buddies at work, not the people who share your hobbies, it's your wife. And every wife will always go farther in life with the unconditional love, the honor, and a husband who chooses to dwell with her according to knowledge. And every husband will go farther with a wife who submits, who models chaste conversation, and who seeks to build a meek and quiet spirit. Let me ask you, husband, do the words love, dwell with, honor, characterize your interaction with your wife? They can and they should. If not, you know what? You ought to hit an altar tonight. You ought to just say, you know what? I'm done making excuses. It is not my wife's fault, my failures. Wives, do the words submit, reverence, chase conversation, meek and quiet spirit. Characterize your relationship with your husband. You know, if they don't, you ought to hit an altar tonight and seek the grace of God. It's a good night. If you're not married, just say, you know what? Well, I didn't realize these things are so important. Why don't you build these in your life? They'll help you. And it's a good night if you're a married couple just to decide, you know what? I need to invest in this special relationship I have with my spouse. Amen? Amen. If you quietly stand.